Crossroads.
fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. And on and on and on and on it goes. It overwhelms and satisfies my soul. And I never ever have to be thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving us a love that never, ever runs out on us. A love that is strong, a love that is firm, a love that is beyond all understanding of the human mind. And we thank you for that so very much. God, we ask that in the days that we have here on earth, Lord, just the good times and the the times that are just so rough and difficult, Lord God, your love is a love that never fails and it remains. And we pray, Lord, that as we go through those circumstances in life, that you will just help us to continue to be kneeling at the foot of the cross. Lead us to the cross each and every day. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Savior, I come, quiet my soul. Remember Redemption's hill Where your blood was spilled For my ransom Everything I once held dear I count it all as love cross where your love poured out bring me to my knees lord i lay me down rid me of myself i belong to you oh lead 
Thank you. You can be seated. It's like a whole world to them because for the first time they have received this precious gift. The message through the box is not only the toys that makes them smile. The message here is that Jesus loves them. You've got an army of volunteers that pack the boxes that are helping OCC to take the gospel literally to millions of children. We are opening doors for other churches and other parts of the world to do ministry in their local community. They receive a box and also an invitation to come back and learn more about Christ. We just don't want to just hand out a box and stop there. We want them to grow in their faith. So it started with a box and it's ending with communities and countries being changed. ceases to amaze me how a simple box can change the world for a child. Thousands will be impacted by just one gift. So here's the box, folks. There's uh, a few boxes left out there today. We want to encourage everyone to take a box. Take two or three, take as many as you can, and let's fill them up, and we will get them out. Uh, they'll come back here on November 13th through the 20th is, the, is uh, the time that we'll be collecting them here. So if you would please take them. On the inside is directions on, on how to fill them. You'll see Sarah Daly has a table outside in the foyer there as you go out the door to the right. She can give you ideas on what to do with them. And uh, we, want, we just want to make a big blessing on these children from our people. Uh, if all the boxes leave here, that will be 500 boxes that have gone out. So we've set our goal of 500 boxes. So I would encourage you to please take, take a box or two today and fill them up. Bring them back. That's just two weeks away, November 13th and uh, 13th through the 20th, and we'll be able to, to get those out around the world. You can even track your box down to the country, I believe down to the town where, the, uh, where the, your box went. So please, uh, please participate in that. I think that you'll be blessed. I know you will. This time, please pass the friendship folders down the aisle. We'd like to welcome you to Crossroads. We're glad that you're here today with us. And uh, as, as you pass that down the aisle, that helps us to be able to minister to you and your family better. Uh, what a great Wednesday night we had. We had our trunk and treat outside. It was just an incredible week here at the church. Uh, that was probably our highest attended event ever here at the church. Uh, we had like 50 cars parked over at Walter Long. We had this place was coming and going, the, the back lot filled, hundreds upon hundreds of people were here, and we're just thanking God for all that he did. And so I want to thank you for serving, and uh, for many of you were serving out there handing out candy. Some of you were out around the hot dogs, making hot dogs and s'mores and all those type of things for, for the kids. So we, we just want to thank you for your service to God. So let, let's give God a hand for the great things that he did here this week. 
was absolutely incredible. And, and then we're, uh, we have uh, our life groups have started. We're excited about the life groups have started. There are 90 people signed up in the life groups. Uh, they kicked off this week. We're thanking God for all that's happening. One of those life groups meets at 9.30 on Sunday morning across from uh, the restroom up here, room A207. That's Brian and Audra. And last week they shared with you about their encouragement ministry. You'll see the insert inside the bulletin there. You can, uh, you can fill out something. If you have something that you'd like to, to uh, somebody that you'd like for them to send a note of encouragement to, they are over there during this first hour at 9.30 on Sunday mornings before they come into the service, praying over people's names, praying over the church, and uh, just asking God to bless and, and sending out notes of encouragement and things like that. So please, if you have something like that, fill it out, put it in the offering plate, and you, or you can put it in the offering box uh, as you leave today. So we have just a few announcements that we'll put up on the screen here. Our Clubhouse Kids Wednesday night, like I said, has been taking off really good. We're excited about what's happening. Clubhouse Kids, our Connect students over at the Teen Center, and then we have our men's group and our women's group. And so God is doing many, many great things here. We have our Wednesday night. Those are Wednesday night groups. Then we have these other groups that meet all different times. We're just excited about what God is doing here in the service, uh, here, here at our church. Uh, and then I'll be home for Christmas. This is our, our Christmas dessert theater. That is December 9th through the 11th. Um, that is coming up right around the corner. You'll be able to purchase tickets for that beginning next week. That is uh, November the, the 5th. You can purchase them online. We'll have them on our website. And uh, you can just go buy them right there. And uh, they're $6 a piece. And that includes the dessert afterwards. So the, the, our, our people put on a great, great presentation I'll be home for Christmas. It's set in the, uh, in the 1941 Pearl Harbor. You know, this is the 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor this year. And, uh, and so th- that play is actually set in that, in that time. And that, they actually have some, some radio around the, around the time of per- Pearl Harbor. So you'll hear Fibber, McGee, and Molly, the Lone Ranger, things like that reenacted. For most of you, that's something you read about in a history book, Right. And, uh, and for others, uh, there may be a few of you that live through some of that. But uh, we're, we're excited about uh, this great play, and it will present the gospel. You'll share Jesus Christ with those that you invite. It's going to be a great, great evening. So begin to pray about and think about who that you can invite. Buy their ticket for them. It's only 6 bucks. Br- get them here and, uh, and bring them on in and, uh, and just have a great time. So the, the program will start over here at 7 o'clock, and then on Saturday and Sunday night it will be at 6 o'clock. And that, but after, after this, the program here, we go over to the gym, and the gym will be really an event over there as well, centered around dessert. So that's going to be a, a great time coming up here. And then we have our Thanksgiving Eve night of worship, Wednesday, November the 23rd. Uh, this will be a one-hour service. We're here at 7 o'clock. You'll be done at 8. You'll be able to get on the road and finish your pumpkin pie making, and uh, we'll start making your pumpkin pies, but we'll give you plenty of time to, to be out of here, but it's just a great time when we gather everybody from the church together and we worship the Lord. We honor Him and we just praise Him and give Him thanks. So this is going to be a great time. We're going to have communion that night and I want to encourage you, mark your calendar, Wednesday, November the 23rd at 7 o'clock. And then we have our birthday gift to Jesus. Our birthday gift to Jesus, 2016, our goal this year is $80,000. And we're excited about the, the opportunity that we have to make an impact around the world. Next week, you're going to have a list in your hand that you can begin to pray over and just ask God to supply these funds 
as we are able to bless these missionaries all around the globe. We'll be helping people in Africa, in Australia. We'll be helping people all over the place that are going to be in need, uh, missionaries that are out there helping other people come to Christ. We're helping orphans in, in, uh, in the Philippines. Uh, we're, we're helping the people in Ecuador, which, by the way, next Sunday, you don't want to miss next Sunday, we're going to have here with us Daniel Gonzalez. He'll be speaking. He'll be leading our service next week. It's going to be a great day to hear him. And uh, he, he's our missionary in Ecuador, fantastic man. Many of you are, uh, have, have grown to love him, and he's, he's one of our favorites whenever we have him come around. So he'll be speaking here next Sunday, kicking off our birthday gift to Jesus offering. Can't believe that next Sunday is the 1st of November already. Can you guys? It's like, wow, this time is just marching forward. But we're going to start next Sunday. That'll be the first day you can begin to give to that offering and uh, we just ask that it's above and beyond your tithe and offering, your regular tithe and offerings, and you mark it as birthday gift to Jesus or Christmas offering. And, uh, and we're, we'll be taking that all through November, all through December, into the second week of January. So I want to ask you, if you will begin to pray with me that God will supply these needs. Uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for our church to step up to the plate, and it's a great opportunity for you to teach your family what's really important in a season of frivolity. I mean, there's just the whole, the whole place goes nuts. And, we, you know, how, how, many, how many things will you buy and put under your tree that won't be here next year? Just think about that. You'll buy things and you'll put them under your tree and it'll be gone. It'll be destroyed by next year. Things that break, things that just didn't last and half of it gets returned anyhow, doesn't it? Uh, you know, in our house, there's things that, that come under the tree and, uh, and we end up returning them and they get what they really want. Did you ever notice that? Uh, my kids are into that stage. Dad, just, just let us shop for us, all right? And I'm like, well, no, I'm still Santa, right? I'm still, I'm still having fun with this thing. I still enjoy this. So I want to encourage you and your families to go out and to make a difference and, uh, and to, to take these things and put, put Jesus at the top of the list. So at this point, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward and uh, begin to pray about that with me, though, because that's, that's a big goal, 80,000. It's our largest school ever. And we just want God to, to step in and, uh, and meet that need. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we just thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for the way you're moving mightily in our church. We've just seen your hand over and over and over. God, we thank you for the hundreds of people that were here, quite possibly the largest event we've ever had here. Thank you for that, Lord. And many of the people are, are, will be coming back in the days to come as they, as they find uh, as they find what they're looking for, looking for a Savior. God, I pray that as, as, we, as we open your word today, God, you'll transform our lives. Thank you for, this, for this, uh, this gift that we have to give to you, to bless your name, Lord. I pray that you'll bless the offering as we give to you. In your name we pray, amen.
So we've been talking about winning or losing and how to have a winning life. I think that if uh, we were honest with, each, with ourselves, we would all say that we truly want to have a winning life. Nobody wants to live life and, and look at the end of life and say, wow, there were no ripples in the pond after I was there. We all want to make a difference. And so we've been talking about this baseball diamond for a few weeks now. We've been talking about that there are several ways that you can, you can live your life. And uh, one of the big things that we do is to try to, to run after results. We try to run after success. And when we're running after success, sometimes that's all that we can see. All we can see is our goals, whether they've been met or not. We can see what has happened, what has happened in our life. What, what has personal gain happened? You know, it'd be easy to look at your life and, and get down to get depressed because maybe you haven't seen the results in your life that you were looking for. Maybe you haven't seen, uh, you, you say, well, I'm, uh, I'm 40 years old or I'm 50 years old, I'm 60 years old, and I'm saying, wow, this is, I've made it this far and I, I, this is all the bigger house that I have. I've made it this far and this is, this is all how my life looks like. I didn't plan for it to come this way. I didn't plan for my life to look like it does right now. And that's because we chase after this. So, so as we looked at the life of Joseph, we said that Joseph had a dream. God had given Joseph a dream, but uh, it's easy for us to come after the dream. But God was taking Joseph, and he said, I'm going to teach you how to win at dependence, dependence on him. And then he took him over here, how to win within, how to win character. This is character. And we're going to talk a little bit today about winning at dependence, and you need dependence to win at character. And how do we win at character? And what is the relationship of dependence to character? And, and here's, here's one of the things that, that is a big issue. Success doesn't happen the short route. It doesn't happen the easy route. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We've been talking about this for a few weeks. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. And then the next verse goes on to say, but do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve uh, what God's will is and in his good, pleasing, perfect will. So here you come in life, and here, here's how we, we have to change the pattern. See, the pattern of the world says to come chase after your dream. Go for it. The pattern of the world says, come and chase after what is good. Look out for number one. Look out for yourself. In the meantime, God says, listen, I'm going to take you. First of all, I want you to start at home plate. And I want you to learn dependence on me, how to depend on me. And then I want you to learn character. There's something deeper than all these results. There's something deeper than your houses and your land and, and all the things that we think are success. There's character. And then we look at others, uh, the, the relationships in our life. These things are so important. And we've got to touch all the bases. We, have, we come, all these bases are so important, but it begins with dependence. Last week we looked at the book of Genesis chapter 32. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn to there, Genesis 32. This is the, uh, uh, from the life of Jacob, and I'm just going to pick up from a story we talked about last week as we continue on. Genesis 32, verse 24 through 30. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. This is in the middle of the night. Jacob is wrestling, and he's actually wrestling with God. Uh, this was a manifestation of God. And it says that he was, break, he was wrestling with a man 
till the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. So here he is. He's wrestling with God all through the night. And as he's wrestling with God, he, he even thinks he has God pinned, doesn't he? But at one point, God says, I'm going to touch your hip socket. And he says, by just touching it. Now, I want you to envision with me. He's been wrestling, and God takes his hand and just goes, he just touches him. And his hip socket comes out of joint. His hip, is he is now in pain. One commentator said that from that point on, Joseph walked with a limp the rest of his life. He was crippled the rest of his life. He, he had all kind of problems. And, and that was the moment that God taught him dependence. That was when God taught him that, hey, there's something bigger here. Verse 26, then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob says to God, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And, and he said, Jacob. You see, God was looking at him, and God wasn't looking to find his name. God already knew his name. God was looking to him, to Jacob, to confess who he really was. As we looked last week, we looked whenever he was with, uh, uh, between Jacob and Esau. Jacob had went to his father and robbed the blessing. His blind dad, he comes before his blind dad, and his blind father says, Who are you? And he says, I am Esau. And now as he stands before God, he cannot hide anymore. He stands before the Almighty and he says, I am Jacob. You are God. I am Jacob. Look look what he says here, verse, uh, verse 28. And he said, I am Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Then, then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Jacob has an encounter with God. Jacob had an encounter with God 20 years earlier. And in that encounter with God 20 years earlier, he was, he was doing something that he didn't probably even realize. He was chasing after something that God had for him, but he was chasing after it in his own self. You know, I, w- I want to encourage you. We all chase after something. And, and here's what happens. We tend to chase after this. We tend to chase after a result. We tend to chase after success. Somehow we think in our life that, that if I have success in certain areas, that this must be God's plan. This must be his blessing. And maybe it is at many times. And maybe there are other times when you don't have that thing that you think is success, that God is blessing you even more. Maybe there's something deeper to life. And if there is something deeper to life, what is it? Well, it's over here. It starts here, dependence. And God was teaching Jacob even. Jacob here is learning to depend on God. And and it's at that moment when his hip is taken out of socket. I am Jacob. I am frail. I am little Jacob. I am not Esau. I cannot lie my way out of this. I cannot connive. You are God, and I am Jacob. He comes to a moment of dependency upon God. And as we come to our life, there are many ways that you can live your life. You know, you cannot live the life of John 10.10, 10, when Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it to the full, that they might have a complete, abundant life. You cannot live that on your own. You cannot put John 10.10 10 and go after it on your own. 
You have to have the power of God. I want to ask you this morning, it took Jacob 20 years to come to dependency upon God. How long will it take you? How long will it take us to, to stop and say, okay, my life, I can strive. I, that's an interesting word that, that is used there. It says, for you have striven. You have strived. You know, striving is hard work. You've toiled. How long will it take me to stop striving so hard and trust God? To really trust him with my life. To trust him to help me. And this is, this is, this is key. Because if I can learn to depend on God, learn this dependency, not something that I stop. You see, when I connect at home plate, I connect with the ball, I I make that connection, and I learn dependency on God. This is quite possibly one of the deepest things you can do in your life, is to learn dependency of God. Not learn about Him, but to learn to depend on Him. Now, you have to learn about Him. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But the learning this childlike faith to simply trust him, like you're sitting on that chair. You trust him. This is how you win character. You see, if we don't have dependency on God, you're going to be put into places of character where your character is going to be tried, temptations are going to come, and you will fall if you're doing it in your own power. You may hold up for so long, but eventually the, uh, the, the, the weakness inside, the silo comes so heavy that you end up falling because you have to. The only way that you win at this character issue, the only way that you win on the inside is to have dependency upon Christ. Now, let me give you a few ways that you can live your life. There's four approaches to life, four approaches that you can live your life out. Number one is our purpose with our power, and I'm going to call that the empty life. For in here, you fill in the results, and you put in the dream. I'd like to make a million dollars. I'd like to have a a white picket fence around my house, and I'd like to have 2.4 children, right? You fill in the American dream. You put that, you you fill in that blank there, and then in your power, you chase after it. Like I said earlier, you're going to chase after something. Everybody chases something. And you will find in your life that there are things that you will chase after. And if you're willing to chase after them, you're going to go after them. And if you do it in your own power, let me tell you, if you're chasing after your dream and your power, it's going to result in emptiness. Look at the people in our world that are successful. There are people that are seemingly successful. They have built wealth. They've built empires. There's technology marvels everywhere. Uh, there's, they pursue relationships. But... Ultimately, there is a sense at the end of life of emptiness. Blaise Pascal, brilliant mathematician, says that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, by the Creator, made known through Christ Jesus. He he says, listen, (laughs) he's telling you this from his point of this great, accomplishment that he's done he says there is a god-shaped void inside of every human being and only god can feel that so if you're chasing your dream with your power that's an empty life so you can just jot down on the side there the empty life uh, then there's our purpose with god's power and we'll call that the unfulfilled life you see jacob had this this was the, the story of jacob he had an encounter with god 20 years before he came to dependency, God told him, listen, I am with you. Even though you made mistakes, even though you you lied to get the blessing, 
even though you have done a whole lot of, uh, of bad things, and I am still with you, and I'm going to, I have a plan and a purpose for you, and I'm going to follow through on my promises. But yet, even though he had that promise, it took him 20 years of striving with God, 20 years till he finally came to the point and said, okay, I surrender. I'm going to live my life according to your plan and with your power. You see, here's what happens. When we, when we come along and we place our purpose here and try and ask God's blessing, it, it's kind of like this. You come before God and you say, God, I've got this plan for my life. And, and, and it's a wonderful plan. But God, I want you to bless my life. And I want you to help me get through college and help me get a marriage. And, 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 th- and this is the time frame I'm thinking. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've sat with a few people through the years who have told me their plan. I've sat with a few young people who've told me their life plan from, from the time that they were 17, 18 years old to where they saw themselves being to retirement. And, and I think it's good that we have a plan. But the plan's got to be God's plan. And so what we often do is we come before God. We say, God, here's my plan. Please bless my plan. God, here's what I think should happen in my life. I need you to bless my life, right? Eh, that's not how it works. And when, you, when we do that, that's called the unfulfilled life. Um, If God is manageable, then you are following the God that you created. If God is manageable, if you can manage God, if you can put God in a box and you can say, okay, God, uh, my God would never do blank, and you fill in the blank there, because he's too kind. He would never allow these negative things to happen. Whoa, 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 whoa. You have just put God in a box. And you've made him manageable. So if if you're going to try and manage God... Let me tell you what you've done. You've created God. Here's how it works. Genesis says that in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. See, God created you. You're his creation. You are at his hand. What he is doing, what he is working in your life. So there's things that are happening in your life, and you're chasing after this. And you're quite often let down and disappointed because this looks like it's not happening. In the meantime, what is God doing in your life? He's developing character on the inside. He's developing you a time of dependence. And we never can depend on God many times until our feet get knocked out from under us. Have you ever noticed that? When all else fails, we can know how to run to God. God wants us to take a life of dependence, not when all else fails, but so that Uh, When it does fail, he is already there. You walk a life of dependence upon him. And and, and, and you're walking in his power, in his grace. It's the winning life that we're looking for, right? Then we look at God's purpose with our power. And this is what we do. We come and we say, okay, now I'm going to change up. And this is what I'll call this the frustrated life. It really is frustrating because you put the result in here. This is God's result. You want what God wants. Uh, you, you're, you're, you're lining up to the dream that you think that God wants for your life. And you're saying, God, I'm going to do everything in my power to make that happen. I'm going to work hard to make this happen. I'm going to do this. And so you go through this whole bunch of do's and do's and do's. And don'ts and don'ts and do's and don'ts. And, and you have your whole life planned out based upon, I can work, I can do this, I can do this. Oh. Well, that becomes frustrating because you can't do You can't get God's result in your life with your power. Now, it's so easy for us to look at the Bible and say, well, there's things that we need to do. There's things that we need to follow and obey. Yes, absolutely, we need need to go there. 
But uh, when we're working in our power, maybe you're like a type A and you've made some pretty, pretty good outward conformity and you can, you can do this work thing. Well, God says, yeah, we're supposed to work. But listen, you've got to work in his power. We come to a point where we're depending on him and he is the one who produced the results. And by the way, even though we think we've lined up with God's results, this is where Jacob was. Uh, Jacob was trying to come after a result that was based on him. He saw what, what God was going to do in him. And then he's going out and he's manhandling, manipulating situations so that he can see the result in his life. God is really wanting us to come to this point. God's purpose with God's power. You see, if you live your life according to God's purpose with God's power. Now, now it's not so much about the result because God is going to give this result. And at the beginning of your life, you're going to look at the results that you think are going to come and God's going to change that result. And it'll be Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly abundantly above what you could ask or think, even though it may not look that at face value. Because so many times we are, we, we, we are so let down by face value. We, we can't see the dimensions that God sees. But God has so much bigger. And you see, you see failures. You see all these things. But God says, no, 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 no. I'm working. I have a plan. So he wants you to have his purpose with his power. So how do we do that? First of all, we live for the truth. I want to encourage you to live for the truth. Uh, the, there is a truth. You know, when, when, you come to, when you come to God's word, there is truth. Now, let me, let me share with you this that there is truth in our world. We live in a world that says there is no truth. But there, there is truth. Let me, let me give you an example of truth. It's 70 degrees outside, right? There's a truth to that. It's October the 30th, and it's 70 degrees outside. That is a truth. We, we we're all happy about that yesterday. You're, you're running around. You're, you're, you're acting like it's the last day of your life. Have you ever noticed that? When it's 70 degrees out in October, we're like worms that know we're going to die, you know? It's like we, we know, I see the little bees start coming out again. I'm like, they know their days are numbered. And, and so do we. We're, we're kind of like, oh, it's coming, it's coming, we're afraid. Uh, there is a truth when it is 70 degrees outside. You may come and tell me, well, it was only, it was only 60 degrees. Another person may say, well, it was only 50 degrees. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's an objective truth. Uh, you could tell me that the sky is blue, and I could come back and tell you that it's green, right? And I could say, but sincerely, I believe that the sky is green. But whenever it comes down to it, the sky is blue. Uh, there, is, there is an objective truth. Now, now you're not going to find truth on CNN or Fox News, okay? Can I have an amen to that? All right, thank you, all right? You're not going to find a truth on either one of those channels. You're not going to find a truth on a blue ticket or a red ticket. Amen? All right, thank you. I'm glad we're all in agreement here this morning. You're not going to find truth in the world. The world doesn't have it. These political parties, listen, I, I encourage you, go out and get involved and vote. But listen, at the end of the day, we need victory in the church house more than we need victory in the White House. And it's going to come from the truth of God. So this is all about him. I want to encourage you, if you want to have a life, a, a life that God's looking for, in when we're power in our, his power, I'm sorry, his purpose in his power. 
It starts with the truth of God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Let me give you an exciting passage here. It says, all scripture, the whole Bible, everything in it, all scripture is inspired by God. The word inspired means breath. It is the very breath of God. Um, it, when, you, when you go outside in the cold, you see a little bit of that steam. It's like getting that close to God's mouth. It is inspired. This is important. Take note. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach. Teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. You want to find truth. You can't find truth apart from God's word. This is where you will find truth. All truth starts here with God's word. And as you come up to God's word, you begin to look at it and you say, okay, his truth is going to teach me what is true and to make me realize what is wrong in our lives. It's going to, it's, that's how, this is how you, you want to look at your life and you want to know God has given you an instruction manual. This incredible. Not only did he give you the dream, not only give you the purpose, he gave you a manual how to do it. He said, I want you to get into this book. I want you to meditate on it day and night. I want you to be thinking about me. And so when we come to him, he, his, his scriptures teach us what is true and makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God used it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Did you notice that verse 17 there? Many of you may have memorized verse 16. Verse 17 says that it, it is used by God to prepare us to do every good work. The good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do come from his word. He's going to teach you. He's going to guide you. So when we come before him, uh, if you want to live a life for truth, you have to live a life that's based upon God's word. Get into God's word. The second thing to do is is to plug into the vine. I want you to plug into the vine this morning. That's going to help you develop into the purpose of God and in his power. Um, John 15, 5. We'll put that on the screen there. John 15, 5. Jesus says that I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, now think about this with me. Jesus was in an agricultural society. And he's sitting with the disciples and he tells them, he says, you know the, you know the, the grapevines? You understand the vine. You know the branches? And you know the fruit. Uh, if you cut that off from the vine, there's no fruit. And, and, I, and they, they immediately understood that. They understood because they probably saw many that were pruned and laying on the ground. They saw many branches that were laying on the ground that produced no more fruit. He says, apart from the vine. So you have to plug into the vine. It was an agricultural society. And I just couldn't help but think that if Jesus were here today in Finleyville, that is no longer an agricultural society, that is a, uh, more, more of an urban, uh, more, more of a suburban area, uh, maybe he would use something like this to help us. You know, this light, I can sit here and I can turn the switch on and off all I want. I can check the bulb all I want, uh, but until I plug it in, there's no light. There, there's no power until I plug into the source. And this is what many of us are like in our Christian life. We come in and say, okay, God, you have something for me to do. I'm going to plug in. 
And what we do, we plug into ourself. And we say, well, I'm just going, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep going ahead. I'm going to keep moving forward. And, and you know, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to, you know what, man, January's coming. I'm going to, I'm going to set out some new goals for my spiritual life. And it's I, me, I, me, what I'm going to do. In the meantime, we're turning the light and we're frustrated because nothing's coming on. We're frustrated because, man, this, this is, this is hard work. How can, how can I produce a result in my life? Well, you can't produce that result in your life in your own power. So what do you have to do? You have to come over and you have to get the power source. I come over and I take, take and there's something really cool that happens when you plug it in. All of a sudden, you got light. The, 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 the light, now, now I can see. It's, I, I, can get the, I can do what God's called me to do because the power of God is upon me. And this is what happens in your life. If you will stop trying so hard in your own flesh to make things happen and come and rely on God. Because... Let me share this with you. When you get into the character base, when you get into winning within, you need to be plugged into the vine. You need to be plugged into God and let him give you the power to say no. Uh, when, uh, when Joseph was before Potiphar's wife and the temptation was hot and heavy, it was a huge sexual temptation, he was able to run, not because of his own personal strength. He was able to run because of a dependency on God. And that's where we have to be because you and I are put into situations, Potiphar wife type of situations over and over and over. Situations where we're tempted to lie, to cheat, to steal. Temptations for impurity, immorality, all kind of things. We have them. They are there. They are upon us on a constant basis. And what do we have to do? We have to learn a dependency upon God. So that when we get in there, we can walk away from that knowing that I made the right decision. Knowing that even though what looks so good in front of me is not good, it's going to harm me, it's going to hurt everything that I live for, it's going to be against the whole, the whole purpose of God. I can do that in the strength of God. So how, how do we do this? How do we get plugged in? Quite simply, we have to start to learn God's principles and obey. We have to learn God's principles and obey them. What does God say in his word? If we have found the truth, and we have, well, what does he say in there, and and what do I do? Uh, So now I start taking my attitudes. I take every one of my attitudes through what God says. Uh, You know, I've I've been around many Christians who, who, who think that they have it all together because they've got the big things taken care of. But terrible, unforgiving spirits, terrible grudging, terrible unlove towards family, towards other people. I mean, you, you name it. And listen, when we get into those places, God is working in us. He's changing us. But a long-term commitment to holding those things on, there's the truth in God's Word. It says you have to change. And so God comes before us and He says, okay, I'm going to change you. And when we do, He's the one who gives us the power to change. Because in my flesh, I have my own reaction, don't I? I have my way of doing things, and I know, I know how to, to get to that result, but God says, I have another plan for you. Uh, the, I, I want to encourage you to read His Word. Get into God's Word. Simply spend some time in God's Word. If you'll make it a priority to spend time in God's Word, it will be life transformational. Just start to read. Uh, as some of you have been on the reading program since the beginning of, year, of the year, Others of you say, well, maybe I've let that go a little bit. Uh, others of you said, I haven't been reading at all. 
I want to challenge everyone to read God's Word, to get into it and just read a chapter a day. Uh, just a few minutes of a day is going to go a long way for you. Obviously, the more that you read, the more that you'll be encouraged, the more you'll get to know God's truth. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. At the end of that chapter, sit down and ask yourself a few questions. And maybe just jot them down in a little notebook somewhere. Uh, what did I read? What can I learn from God's nature? And what can I learn about human nature? Then the, then the last thing to do is ask yourself, what do I need to do? What is it that God wants me to do? There's something here that God's speaking to me. As I go through and I read these stories about Joseph and Jacob and all these Old Testament characters, I'm looking through them and I'm saying, wow, what's God's character here? I see God's character all over the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. It's all over the whole Bible. And you look there and you see the story of Joseph. And you go home and you read that and you say, wow. Here's the story of Jacob. Wow, God was there. God was not, never giving up. God was long-suffering. God was patient with him. And then what I see about man, I say, wow, man really failed here. Man had to learn dependence, and he comes back to God. And so write those things down. Uh, then I want to encourage you to pray regularly. Pray on a regular basis. You're familiar with the Acts way of praying. Uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then praying for stuff, I like to say. Uh, adoration, where we, where we, you know, if you just took and gave your life, your prayer life to this, two minutes to each one of those sections. You could put a little timer on if you wanted to. But just pray two minutes of adoring God. God, I'm adoring you for who you are. And you lift him up. You can do this in the car. You can do it anywhere you want. I would encourage you, make it a priority. Just start with God. God, I adore you. And you lift him up and you praise him. See, when we do that, I'm taking my eyes off of all my problems and all my shortcomings and all my sin, and I'm putting it on to the great God of the universe. And then I come into confession, like Jacob said before God, Who are you? I am Jacob. You come before God and you say, I, I am here, God. I am the one in need of your help. I'm in the one in need, need of your power. And you make your confession before God. You just agree with God on what, he's told, what he has said about about the things that you're doing in your life. God, I've sinned today. I've blown it in this area. My attitude, my action, my unforgiveness, all these things. You, you take them before God and you lay that at his feet. And then you go into a time of thanksgiving. You just start to thank God. And just do that two minutes on each one of those. Spend eight minutes a day in prayer and watch what God does in your life. You could do this on a lunch break. I'd encourage you to do it in the morning and do it at lunch break. Do it at night before you go to bed. Do it, do it a couple times a day. And watch what happens as you start to come, and this is how you get dependent on him. Because now I'm starting to depend. I'm thanking him. And then I ask him for stuff. That's the old word. We used to use supplication there. It's a hard word to, to even understand. Supplication. What's up, right? It's stuff. I'm praying for stuff and asking God to supply. God, would you supply in my family, my emotional needs, my spiritual needs, my physical needs? Would you supply in my, in my career? Would you supply and you fill in the blank there and you go before the Lord? Um, as you go into, into these areas, you're going to learn to listen to God's prompting. As you're living your life, you're going to listen to God's prompting. How is God prompting you? He's going to lead you. Uh, the, the scriptures tell us that when you trust Christ as your Savior, He gives you the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, resides in you, so you're never alone again. So look to your neighbor right now and say, you're never alone. Take that. You're never alone. Okay? You're never alone. 
You'll never be alone again because you have the Spirit of God with you and His prompting. He is going to prompt you. He's going to lead you and guide you. Maybe there are things that, that, uh, that you're out there and you're involved in, in areas of, uh, of your community. You're just interacting with people. God's going to prompt you good things to go do. The other day, a, a tree came down in, our, in, 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 in the neighbor's backyard, and they were out there trying to figure it out. So my wife's like, oh, we're just too busy. I wish we could help. I'm like, too busy? They got a tree down. I, I can't let that. I can't walk away from that. I got to go out and help. She's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to stand there and watch them like I always do, all right? Bring them a cup of coffee. I went out there and I said, give me that chainsaw. They couldn't start the chainsaw, you know? I'm like, give me that chainsaw. And I made the first mistake. I started up here like, you know, like this. And and my neighbor goes, you're going to cut your leg off. I said, okay, what do I do? And I put it down and we're starting it. They had three chainsaws. Not even I could get the chainsaw started. (laughs) We're out there. But listen, we went out there. The tree's still down. We're going to keep working with him. And we're all coming together. It's the prompt. God prompts you. And so you say, okay, God, I'm going to do that. Now, let me tell you, God will never prompt you where his word won't take you. If, God's, if you say God's prompted me to do something and you see that his word says no, his word trumps all that. Okay? He's never going to tell you. One time somebody came to me and said, I think God's telling me to leave my wife. And I said, I think God's telling you to read his word. He really is. Why? Because in his word, he's going to give you his principles. And when you come to his principles, you take all these things and you filter them through. Let me give you a few verses to filter them through. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. There it is. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God. And then he says... Uh, Verse 39, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Love the Lord and love others. God's prompting you and guiding you. So yesterday I was able to filter this out. I love the Lord and I love others. Okay, I have to go out and at least least stand there. Help them. Be a part of this event. Maybe God's going to prompt some of you to to leave a nice tip, you know, a $20 tip, a $30 tip, a $50 tip to, the, to a single mother at, a, at, a, at the restaurant that you're at and, and, and bless somebody. You, you don't know. I don't know what God's going to do. He's going to give you promptings. But here's what I do know. When you get into a character situation, you see, Je- uh, Joseph, before Potiphar, followed the prompting of God. Get out of here. And he ran. And if you're depending on God, you're going to be put in situations where you know this is not good, this is not healthy, and you follow that quiet, that quiet spirit from God where he says, get out of here. This is not healthy. That's happened to me on many occasions, and sometimes we say yes, sometimes we say no, don't we? Sometimes we resist that, and that's where Paul said, don't resist the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't squelch it. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. And then lastly this morning is to lean into God's favor. Lean into God's favor. God, you are his child. You have the favor of God. Now think about that. Can you live your life with the favor of God? Do you understand? Because he has called you unto himself, you've, you've tasted and seen that he is good. 
you are a believer, you're a follower of Christ, you are his child. You have the favor of God. It's upon you. When you go to work tomorrow, you have the favor of God upon you. Joshua chapter 23, verse 10. Look what the Lord tells Joshua. Uh, This was after just a, a great, great victory. Look what he says here. One man of you puts to flight a thousand. Since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. He says, look, he says, somebody's doing great success. Somebody's having great victory because it is the Lord. What? Because the Lord told you to do it? No, because the Lord fights for you. I don't know about you, but I want God fighting for my marriage. I want God fighting for my children. I want God fighting for my finances. I want God fighting for every area of my life. But it comes whenever I come and depend on Him and I submit wholly to Him. And I say, God, I can't, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. And God says, just relax. Trust me. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'll, I'll get you through this. But you've got to come, trust me. I want God to fight for me. And I think you do too. I know you do. You want God to fight. You want him to do it. But it can only happen in his power. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, there was an old hymn. And it said this. It said, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. May I challenge you to trust God. Maybe you're here this morning and you've not yet trusted Him for your salvation. You're not certain that you're going to go to heaven when you die. That's the very reason that Jesus came to this earth. So that you could go to heaven. So that you could be with Him and that you could have a life, a full life that starts now. So if that's you, you haven't made that serious. You haven't made that commitment to God. I want to encourage you right now just to pray to God and say something like this. Dear God... I'm a sinner. I'm confessing before you right now. Here I am. I need you. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again. And I invite you into my life right now. And for others in this room, maybe you have done that some time ago, but you're a little frustrated because you tasted a little bit of God and then you tried to do it on your own. Or maybe you just drifted from God's whole plan and you're trying to figure out the plan on your own. Wherever you're at today, will you come to depend on God? Father God, I pray that you'll be with our people as they respond to your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that we have a God that we cannot manage. We have a God that we did not create. We have a God who created us. And you have provided a way for us that we can live that John 10.10, that full, complete, abundant life comes at the hand of dependence upon you. I pray that you grow us as people learning how to depend on you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service. If you'd like to come and kneel as we sing, feel free to do so.
when all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. Hope that you have a great week. Enjoy the sunshine. Greet each other as you leave. See you next Sunday.